Welcome to Teaching Artist Podcast, a show dedicated to discussions of teaching art to kids, making art, and how those things overlap and feed each other. I'm Rebecca Potts, your host, a visual arts teaching artist. Esperanza Yanez share her story. She offers such insight to the challenges facing our black and brown students, as well as ways to begin addressing those challenges as a teacher. Karina Esperanza Yanez is an artist and arts educator from South Central Los Angeles. As an experienced art educator with a demonstrated history of working in arts education and arts management, Her goal is to provide students with the necessary tools to not only become creative in their own right as young artists, but positively engage with their community. Karina is committed to cultivating welcoming and inclusive art experiences for the youth of South LA. Her art ranges from photography, printmaking, sewing, drawing, and everything else in between. Fascinated by history, sociology, politics, and literature, Karina incorporates all of these interests in her work as much as possible. She is currently pursuing a master's degree in art administration from Claremont Graduate University. She holds a graduate degree in community arts education from the Rhode Island School of Design and a bachelor's degree in fine arts from the California Institute of the Arts. Karina founded the organization Greetings from South LA, an arts-focused community resource for the youth, educators, and families of South Los Angeles. They do wonderful work in South LA, but they've also created online resources, including ideas for parents, tutorials for students, and some amazing educator resources. Check the link in the show notes or go to greetingsfromsouthla.org and look for the art toolkits. There's also a link to many resources there labeled Teaching Resistance. So go check those resources. This episode is edited by Jalene Smith. I am so thrilled to be working with Jalene and would love to bring her on for all of the episodes so that I can focus more on the content and on rolling out some other helpful community programming and resources. I am so, so grateful for your support, allowing me to hire Jalene. If you would like to help keep this show going and build up this community, head over to teachingartistpodcast.com slash support to see the many ways that you can support this work. Now, let's get into the conversation. So I am here with Karina Esperanza Yanez, and I'm very excited to hear about all of the things that you have going on. I like to kind of start with some background. So could you kind of walk us through your story and specifically how you became an artist and an educator and kind of which one came first? Yeah. Hi. (laughs) Yeah. Art always sort of like came very natural for me. I think it was like mostly about like the curiosity of how things worked and like I have chunks of vivid memory of trying to explore like different materials and like try to teach myself how to use things as a child. And when I was in like middle school and high school, middle school, I, I wasn't doing very well academically. 
but yeah. whenever there was some sort of like project where it art was embedded, that was where I shined, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That sort of trickled on into high school as well. And again, once I got into high school, like I was, it was doing okay, but by the time that we, but I think that I got to like the 10th grade, my parents, particularly my mom, got a little bit concerned that I wouldn't be able to succeed as much as like she wanted me to by the time I got to like my 11th or, or senior year of high school, right? It, I don't know. It was, it was a strange time. Also, when you're a teenager, it's just a strange time in general. But <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it was always the same thing. It was like, you know, the teachers were like, oh, you know, she, she has the potential or whatever, but it was always during these like moments where I had like, there was some sort of like art component. I remember in my mm-hmm. class, we had to do like some, it was like some sort of like replica of a newspaper from like way back in the day. Mm-hmm. And I was so invested in that. I like dyed coffee. I used coffee as like my paint. And I like, I was just so uh-huh. in, like interested in exploring materials. I don't remember anything about the assignment, but... <laughs> <laughs> I, remember, I just remember those experiences where I was like so excited to just create something. Yeah. Yeah. So then by the the school that I went to is NLA and they, they have a whole emphasis on like being college ready and stuff. And now what it's been like 10, 15 years later, they have like d- developed this whole system of schools. But back in the day, I think it was like only one or two schools that existed within the like their network of schools. And mm-hmm. the graduating class before us, they have pushed students to like apply to private schools and like Cal States and UC, UCs and stuff like that. But so they seem to have tried to do that early on with us when we were juniors in high school. And all this to say that that was, a, I just remember that being like a very pivotal time for me because I was, we were sort of like forced to look at schools and we wanted to hand the counselor sort of like a list of the schools we wanted to apply to, you know. Mm-hmm. But all the local, like the local Cal States and UCs, like they seem kind of boring to me. Yeah, like they had interesting programs, in, but I was always like really drawn. I was always looking at the art department and like mm-hmm. work that I was seeing just like based on the website. It seemed interesting, but I was like, I don't know. It didn't make sense for me. Uh, mm-hmm. So I remember going on like the College Board website and I typed in art school and then like my life changed. <laughs> so then I was like, there's art schools? Like, what is this? Um, yes. <laughs> but I was like so old already, I feel <laughs> It was just so like, yeah, life changing to me. So I like had my little list of schools that I applied to. And then I, by the time I was a senior, I applied to like a bunch of schools and my portfolio was really awful, but, but I, I ended up getting into, I think it was like 12 of the 13 schools that I applied to. And, um, yeah, I was really excited too, because it was, it was like really hard because I only, I took art in my junior year of high school. Which was like a whole nother, that's like a whole nother conversation about our education mm-hmm. and stuff. But yeah. yeah, it was, yeah, that, I don't know, that like those moments were, that was like a long way to answer your question. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great to hear that because I also see so much of like our students in that story. And just the way, like, there was one little thing I even wrote down where you said something like, I just remember that I was so excited about the materials. And you're like, I can't remember what the assignment was, but the level of excitement around making is what sticks in your head. And that's, you know, like what we hope for our students Mm -hmm. and where we have to recognize like these are the experiences where we can reach them. For sure. Yeah. So it's great to hear that kind of background as well. So then you ended up going to Cal Arts, right? I did. Yeah. 
And how, what was that experience like? How was that? Every year was very different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, my first year there, I dormed and it, it was also very, this is also me because I'm very like introverted and I have like mm -hmm. social anxiety and things like that. So yeah. it was difficult in some ways in terms of like navigating the social circles. So my first year, I don't think I really dormed successfully because <laughs> uh. I was always trying to come back to LA. Then later I realized it was like, I was in a very completely different, you know, I was like in a new environment. All of my peers yeah. were basically white and I wasn't used to that. And my, like my relationship with white folks up until then was like, most of them were my teachers, you know? And Which is a whole other issue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, but you know, in, the, in that moment, I didn't have like the, the language for it or I hadn't like processed it. Mm -hmm. So it was very difficult. And in my second year, I believe I, for like the first semester, I, I ended up finding a friend who, whom I had met before I started CalArts. I attended the, their like CAPSA program. There's the yeah. summer arts program, which is held down in LA. And I met someone there and she's all like to, to this day, she's like a phenomenal friend and we, we sort of like bonded, but I ended up staying with her that met like her family that semester who they, they had a home up in Valencia. And I was able to sort of like commute back and forth, but by the second semester of my second year, I was like, I have to be in LA. I have to live down here. Like I couldn't do it. Yeah. I guess that's a, another long way to say that for like a lot of reasons, it was very difficult for me to navigate those spaces mm -hmm. because I, I needed to be home yeah. and like I needed to be around people who look like me. And yeah. there were, not to say that there weren't people like that at CalArts, but I also then started noticing that even so, folks who maybe just visually look like you, they grow up very differently, right? Especially if they mm -hmm. grew up in like a, you know, like in the suburbs or like higher socioeconomic status. Even though maybe there were other Latinas in, in my classes and things like that, we didn't necessarily grow up the same. So like our mindsets right. were like very different. So I ended up wanting to leave and I was like trying to figure out how to do that without like dropping out of school. Right. Yeah, it's, it was it was very it's, it was a fun time. <laughs> I ended up for my third year. I did my first semester there, and then my second semester, I think. Yeah, it was the second semester. I ended up doing a a transfer to another transfer, like a exchange program with Sarah Lawrence. Oh, cool. Yeah, and then that was yeah. different in the same at the like in the same ways. But it was mm -hmm. that semester there really helped me try to figure out a lot of things that I was that I didn't have the language for if that makes sense so once I returned mm -hmm. back to CalArts so like for my fourth year I sort of like I feel like I sort of excelled even more because I had took that semester to think <laughs> was that really hard to be so far away from home then at Sarah Lawrence yeah it was hard but it was I think it was like necessary in a weird way I think because I kept coming back to LA and being like I'll just commute you know yeah I don't know I wasn't getting out of my comfort zone a little bit Mm -hmm. So I think it was like, a, for me, I feel like it was like a necessary push. Yeah. So yeah. So then once I like graduated, I feel like I took a year or two to sort of like process everything, all of sort of like the microaggressions and experiences that I went through oh. and that my peers went through, you know? Yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, I loved it. And I like wouldn't, wouldn't replace it for anything because I also met like a really good group of people there as well. Right. But it, it, it was messed up that we all sort of bonded over the same thing. <laughs> You know, yeah. but <laughs> I feel like that's probably part of almost every liberal arts college. For sure. 
yeah, even now I think it's the same. I think it's, I don't know, it's like really funny because I'm doing grad school again and it, it's similar in some ways where like we're, we're sort of like drawn to the people who have similar experiences as you or like uh, maybe grew up similar as you did. Yeah. And it's, it's just like an added layer to that struggle. I feel like most, most freshmen in college have a hard time. Like it's hard to kind of shift, go away from home, even if it's not super far and you're, you know, more responsible, you're like sort of a little mini adult. <laughs> and I like, yeah, I totally relate to that struggle of, of feeling like you're not in the same like socioeconomic situation as most of your peers, but to have the added layer of just not having anybody who looks like you or having the few that do just you can't relate to on other levels is it just makes like adds so many layers to that struggle of being away from home your first year of college. Yeah, it was very interesting. I mean, I also am like very thankful because I think a lot of those experiences shape a lot of the things that I'm doing now, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was wild. So then you went on to get a degree in community arts education, and that was from RISD. So again, far from home. Was that kind of right after you finished or did you, you said you took a little time to kind of process? No, it was right after, but it, I think my process was like a two-year thing. <laughs> Yeah, it was right after for multiple reasons. I think I felt because I, like how I explained earlier about my like first two years at CalArts were like, I felt a little lost. Yeah. I felt like I needed something. Maybe, I don't know, at the time, at the time, I think it was like maybe sort of like a cushion. Like I needed another year to, to figure things out a little bit. And the world made the most sense was like, I need to go back to school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I ended up applying to a couple schools when I was, in my last year at CalArts. So I, I applied to a couple like MFA programs and I applied to the to the one at RISD. Yeah. yeah. And I, I got into the MFA programs and I was really excited. But when I like went to check out the schools and talk to the students and admissions people, like it didn't make sense for me to do that. Yeah. What was it that kind of turned you off from that or made it feel like this doesn't work? Yeah, that's a good question. I wanted to be more involved with my community somehow. I, I think also what made CalArts really successful for me was that I was able to teach the whole time. Oh, um, cool. Yeah, so I, I think it was like a couple weeks in, Darcy Hubler asked to meet with me, and I I was like 18. <laughs> so we met for coffee for like maybe 20 minutes, and she basically she sat me down. She was like, I want you to join this team that I'm sort of forming. You'll be paired with like another another student who will be teaching with me and she was sort of like the lead the lead facilitator the, the lead teacher for it and I I was like sure I was I was like unsure as to like what she saw <laughs> but I was like I'll give it a try we went once a week to a school in East LA and a lot of it was like me just observing what she was doing and what like other folks that she was bringing into something that I thought she did like really well too was that she brought a lot of people into the classroom so she invited a lot of folks in to come do like just small workshops to students. Mm. And I I really liked those environments. Yeah, like that was really cool. So I sort of like ended up doing that for four years. So by the time I got to my last year at CalArts, I was like, I want that, like a good fit. Yeah. And was that program, did that include teaching or was it like 
was it like a certification program or an arts yeah. ed program? It's an arts ed program. At the, I don't know what it looks like now, but at the time it was like two tracks. One of them is like a more traditional, like I think you get like a credential out of it. And the one that I did was like more emphasis on like community based work. So they paired you okay. up with a local high school and you go once a week, I think, or we went a couple times a week. I can't remember, but, and then you sort of, you're sort of like the lead in that class and after school class. Oh, cool. And so that experience in, in Cal, like at Cal Arts and then again at RISD, was that the first time you'd really thought about teaching or gotten interested in teaching? That's a good question. <laughs> I don't know if at the time I felt I was like teaching. <laughs> yeah, I love it. You kind of like sidestepped into it. <laughs> yeah, I liked I liked hanging out with the students and I liked how excited they would get when we would like explore materials or explore different things. And I, I feel like I guess a lot of it, it was like I really enjoyed sharing what I knew with them. Yeah. So I think that's why I'm like hesitant to say that I was like teaching. I, I don't know. I felt like I was just, these are all the things that I know. Right. But isn't that kind of what teachers do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. And then you ended up teaching in schools as well. How did that kind of start? And, and what, I guess, what was your experience? When I returned from SD, it, that was an interesting experience in itself. I didn't have good experiences there. So when I returned, I was very upset about a number of things. And I felt that maybe I needed to get out of teaching. So I started applying to, I felt like maybe in an administrative role, I could do make a difference. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I started applying to things that I was like completely underqualified for it. But I kept getting interviews and things like that. So I, I feel like I spent like that summer, most of the summer interviewing and I didn't get any of the positions that I applied for. Oh. And then the, like the one teaching job that I was like, okay, I guess I'll apply to this. I ended up getting and funny how that works out, right? <laughs> so I taught there for a year and I really, again, it was like, you know, I don't know. It was like, it was frustrating for like the same reasons that a lot of things are frustrating when you teach art, especially like if you're coming in and as a teaching artist to school. With like all the limitations yeah. and things like that. But I really enjoyed it nonetheless. And then I got contacted by a school in the San Diego, in like the San Diego area. That one paid way more than what I was earning here. So I like, I took it mostly because of that. Yeah. And it was a private school. So it was like a completely different shift from the population that I was working with here in South LA. So I did that for a year. And again, it was awful for a, a number of reasons. Could you like pause and have you <laughs> go into some of those reasons and kind of how that how working with that other population was more challenging or, or like what different challenges? My first year coming back from grad school was I did like art in a cart, right? So I like went from class yeah. to class. And it was like, I was told <laughs> This is like a whole other thing, too. I was told that the supply budget would be like one number, and it ended up being like half of that. <laughs> and the first number was probably not enough anyway. <laughs> no, it was completely not enough. So it, like a lot of it was like out of my pocket, right? As I'm sure you know. I'm sure hundreds of people know. Just like nodding along. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it was like out of pocket. I'm like in this cart. My, my car is not my classroom. Um, 
And then suddenly I found myself in like the most beautiful classroom and with like supplies for days. <laughs> but I know they have for, they have another director now, which is like great. Um, like I met someone there who was like a really good friend now. Mm-hmm. And they were teaching at the time, but now they're the director of the program. So like I'm really excited about what they're doing. But cool. yeah, but at the time, the, the curriculum was like one of the biggest problems for me because I had to like follow this curriculum that was from the 1980s and it was like awful oh. and it was like I had to follow it. The person sort of like at the time, like leading this program, they had this curriculum that they developed that I'm sure worked really well in the, like the 80s and the 90s. <laughs> They ended up having like such a bad turnover of teaching artists coming in and out. I mean, for a number of reasons, but the curriculum was one of them. It just sucked. It was like very, uh, this is how you draw this. This is what you do, you know? And then it didn't allow for kids to like really explore. Right. It wasn't all completely bad because I also learned a lot about like how to sort of navigate people. And like, I also taught the middle school class. I, I was teaching K through, I think they, they go up to the fourth grade for elementary there. So it was K through fourth. And then I taught like a seventh and eighth grade class. But for that one, I had a complete freedom, which was really exciting. So for there, I just, I really got to play with like how I designed the curriculum. And I feel like the work that was coming out of from that class was really exciting because students would sort of just come in, you know, we would check in and they would just sort of like do their own thing. And, you know, they were doing like these photo books and because they had the resources to do so, you know, like they... They got books pl- yeah, printed from like blurb that we used there. You know, they were documenting these things with photography and using writing. And yeah, it was really exciting to see them be really excited about their work. Yeah. Yeah. And it's amazing at a place with so many resources, what's possible if you're kind of like given that freedom. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's I think that's also why I, I mean, I only stayed there for a year. Like I wanted to see that in, at the elementary level. Because I yeah. I felt like at the middle school level, it was not to say that it was like too late, but it was it made sense for me for the little ones to be able to have this freedom to explore things and to be given the opportunity to like talk about these like larger concepts. And yeah. so by the time they get to middle school and in high school, they're like already, you know, they have the language and they're more prepared. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so you then started Greetings from South LA, or you had maybe more teaching in there before you dove into that. And yeah. I feel like you're like, just from looking at the website and Instagram and that stuff, that you are kind of diving into bigger concepts and bigger ideas with the younger kids through that, through your organization. Yeah, I, so when I'm from San Diego back to LA, for like the 10th time, it feels like. <laughs> I taught at a school in the South LA area and I stayed there for, I think it was three years. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I was very happy there and also very miserable for other things. But, <laughs> but I was, yeah, I felt like I was really excelling in, in terms of like, I had complete freedom in terms of like what I can do in the classroom. You know, there's always those restrictions of like supplies and budgets and, you know, kids, like students being pulled out of the class for testing yeah. and all these other things, which is like a whole nother conversation. But yeah, so frustrating. Yeah. But I think by the time that I got to like my second year teaching there, I was sort of, I don't know if I was like tired of teaching. So I don't know if that's the right thing to say, but I, I wanted to do more. Mm-hmm. So I started doing like just on the, I guess on the side, I started doing these field trips during the summer because I started thinking a lot about like the, 
the gaps in between. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to like extend, I, I guess I was trying to see like how far I could push learning and extended from what was going on in the classroom. Because mm-hmm. I don't know, I think with like images and things like that, you can only do so much if you like just project it or like show students. But actually seeing it in person is like a completely different experience, right? Yeah. It totally changes the way the work feels. Yeah. Yeah. And I was also thinking a lot about the way, I don't know, I was thinking a lot about access and mm-hmm. the way that, like, I hadn't, I'm going to be completely honest, like, I grew up in LA, but I don't think I went to LACMA until maybe I was like a junior or senior in high school. Right. I don't, I don't even think I knew what LACMA was. I knew about like the stuff at Expo Park because I grew up like a couple blocks away, but. I I didn't know anything about LACMA. I don't think I found out about MOCA until like a portfolio event that was held there where like my art teacher was like, you need to go to this thing. And then a lot of the things that exist exist now, they didn't then. Right. So I was like thinking about like, okay, like students need to one, be aware, students and their parents need to be one, like aware that these places exist, but like also I think it's more nuanced than just a being like, hey, come over here, you know? Like we need to figure out ways where folks can feel like welcomed and invited and these spaces that they're belong to them, right? Yeah. Yeah, I noticed that one of the things you've done on those visits that you shared on Instagram was creating your own handouts and making sure that you're like comparing some of the work in the museum to work by contemporary black artists or Latinx artists or, you know, other artists of color that you're giving away. If the kids don't see themselves represented in the actual museum that you're like, well, I'm bringing that in. (laughs) Yeah. I get really excited about those and students, they're like, what do we have to write? (laughs) But, but But they do it anyways, you know? But after they're like, no, I want to keep my card. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, they, they're funny. But yeah, that was also because I, I don't know, I think it's one thing to take, to invite students in and to, it's particularly students, like black students and students of color yeah. to invite them in. But, but like you said, making them feel welcome and yeah, that access means more than just, hey, it's over here. You can go if you want. <laughs> Yeah. For sure. And also, like, I, a lot of it is, you know, I'm really, I really like the Dada movement, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm like, if I have to read it on a plaque and I'm bored, I know they're <laughs> going to be bored. That's also, like, one of my rule of thumbs. Like, if I'm bored reading this or if I'm bored watching this, but I like this stuff, maybe it's not being delivered well or delivered in a way where it's engaging for folks. Mm-hmm. You know, what's another alternative to that? Yeah. I, I want it to be like a, like a modern sister Wendy. <laughs> and you're doing it. You've also been starting to put out, like talking about sort of decolonizing your art syllabus, which is a big topic, (laughs) but I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I guess it was because of, I'm like hesitant to say say like everything that's going on because it's very complicated. And it's been going on. It's like, and it's been going on. Yeah. In my teaching practice, at least, I stopped teaching white, like I stopped teaching white artists completely mm-hmm. a few years ago now. But the way that I sort of did it with my students was I talked about Marcel Duchamp 
And in the classroom, I also just get really animated, depending on the grade level, but I get really animated. But I went into this whole, I had read an article the night before about how he, like, essentially, I guess he stole the idea from someone who was, I forget her name, which is awful. That's kind of his point, right? (laughs) Right? Yeah. I guess essentially the story goes that he, to my understanding, maybe they were friends or they were dating, but he stole the, like, the fountain idea, like the ready-made idea from her. And I was like so upset. So the next day in the morning, I like completely threw out my lesson. And I was like telling this, the students this like story about this guy who like had this amazing idea that I was really, ex- you know, that I like was one of my favorite artworks and one of my favorite movements. But then at the end, I like preface it with, and he stole the idea. <laughs> oh, wow. You know, and like students are like, what? Like, why? And then I was like, so, you know, as a result. I'm no longer, and I also just like to be like really transparent with them. Like I'm no longer going to talk about these guys. So like I did like a brief for all these other guys that these, this is Matisse who I'm, who I love, who I, I respect their work, but I'm no longer going to teach them because unfortunately you might already, you're like going to hear, you're going to be sick and tired of them by the time you get to high school. <laughs> right. Yeah. I made it sort of like a point to have like a list of folks who were particularly just black or brown artists from like just from everywhere, from like Asia, from, you know, sort of like a global on a global scale. And I don't think my list is like very comprehensive still, but it's I I definitely thought it was like a start. Yeah. So I made it a point like if I had to, you know, go by these standards and go by these, you know, this is like the elements of art and things like that I had. I was like, okay, how can I like rethink about this in a way where it makes sense for my students and for myself? Absolutely. Sorry to answer your question. <laughs> I was thinking a lot about this when I was reading, like I was seeing all these posts about anti-racist like teaching and things like that, but I wasn't seeing enough about like how to actually do it mm-hmm. because it's hard. Yeah. You know? And I feel like it's even, even trickier for white educators and especially those who you know maybe grew up somewhere where they don't even know that many black or brown people and you know they're like surrounded in this little white bubble and have grown up in a white system that has only taught them about white artists so then you know like you really have to go outside yourself to find how can I shift that perspective and artists that I can teach and I'm for sure and I'm really excited like I I received like a, like, it was like hundreds of messages and I will not respond to everybody. Right. It's just too much. But I like, what I was reading from folks was people, you know, in the Midwest and like in sort of like in a very rural part of the country that, or even like on a global scale too, that they wanted to do these things. But then I, I, I guess I got like a little bit scared because I think it's more complicated than just being like, this is Kahende Wiley and this is, you know, he's a black man, he's an artist and blah, 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 blah. It has to sort of make sense as well to to what you're doing. And I didn't want it to be also like some sort of like cookie cutter thing. Like you're checking the boxes. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And that's, I think that's sort of like what also some people perceived it as, which is, I don't know, it's like not the case. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think that's the answer either. Well, I loved you had like a follow up that was like, this has to also be internal work. <laughs> like you have to be yeah. you know, doing the work yourself and then bringing that into the classroom. It's funny too, because uh, also it was like a l- less popular post, mm-hmm. but because it's harder. And, you know, it's also something I'm like still working on. Right. And I don't, I don't think 
I don't think I'm like going to have all the answers or like not one person has all the answers, but yeah, it's, I don't know. I think it's for sure like internal and it has to, I think that's where you, you kind of have to start if anything. Yeah. And see like why that's like a lot of self-reflection is like why you're teaching, why are you teaching art? Mm-hmm. And, and if you're going to talk about these white artists, okay, fine. But where can you include other people? Right. Mm-hmm. And then how you do that is like different too. Which yeah. is, I think, something that is not being, at least I haven't seen it being talked about as much because the delivery, I think, is like mo- mostly important. I feel like I mention that whenever I talk about race here that I've only done for the last couple episodes, but I keep saying that's where I'm kind of trying to focus because that's where I see myself lacking, that I do show mostly non-white, non-male artists, but sometimes I am so focused on like the aesthetics that I don't share very much about who they are or like the meaning behind their work. And that is really important. So trying to figure out how, especially as a white educator, like, can I find a video of the artist and like, let the students see them from their own perspective and like hear their own voice. So it's not me saying, well, he said, da, da, da. That's also something really cool that I think we have. It yeah. is really do. I don't want it to be in it. Like I was trying to picture like some imaginary classroom in the middle of nowhere <laughs> where the, the teacher like, and they mean well, right? You know, they're an African-American artist or they're this and this. And then they sort of like butcher or like misconstrue their work, you know, or misinterpret things. Yeah. So that's also why I was like, okay, we need to sort of like pause mm-hmm. right now. I, especially too, because we're like in the summer. So folks who are like not teaching right now, but maybe will in a month once, you know, whatever school look, schools look like. And the issue we're dealing with right now. Yeah. But whatever, whatever that looks like. Right. But yeah. I think right now it's like a good, at least for educators to sort of like pause and reflect and, mm-hmm. and reevaluate things. And even, I mean, <laughs> practicing the pronunciation of the artists that you want to share and thinking through how like learning about their their background and their history so that you can share that it's hard but I think if people do the work I'm like really excited for it because I think it'll it'll be better in the long run and like more exciting and engaging for students right and thinking along those lines and all of the artists that you share, are there a couple that you would want that you feel like are like a couple artists that you feel like are really impactful for your students that you would want to share, like let people know, go look these guys up? I have a list, but I, if it's okay, I won't say it. Yeah, no, that's okay. <laughs> but I, I guess I will say this though. I think that, cause I've seen a couple lists circulate. Mm-hmm. And they typically include the same artists. But what I will say is that it's also important to not use the same artists over and over again. Yeah. Just because they're like, they check this sort of box. Mm. In the same way that we have the canon of like white male artists, I would be cautious of like developing another canon of like the great whatever artists. Mm-hmm. And then that be the only list that circulates because there's a lot of really great work coming out from like contemporary artists who are maybe not as well known and who are also doing really great work so I think like thinking about like more contemporary artists or like illustrators and like animators that's like that's another realm that like my students are really into anime and like 
yeah, like d- digital illustrations and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I've also kind of been making it a point for myself to like look up those kinds of works and artists on like Instagram or just like Googling things yeah. and see what I find because they, they're also like doing really beautiful things, right? Right. Yeah, I, I don't know if that made sense, but I would just be cautious of sort of like having like a top five lists mm-hmm. of artists that you should look at and then we kind of forget about all these other amazing artists that exist. Absolutely. Thank you. Because I, I love that answer, actually. <laughs> it's kind of also talking about meeting students where they are and like being more than that, like recognizing what they're interested in and instead of imposing your interests on them. For sure. Yeah, it's really hard because I, I definitely am like very vocal with them about what I like. And then, but I also try to show them things that maybe I wouldn't be particularly drawn to. And that's something that I'm also like working on. Yeah. And trying to find those people because they're out there, you know, and they do really great things. It's just it's like a matter of just personal preference. Right. Right. And have you found just like Instagram, but then also just like Googling, whatever it is, are those the easiest ways that you found to find new artists? Or are there any like other sort of directories or sources that you would go to? It's just been Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Instagram. I don't know. I think Instagram is like a, it's a scary and powerful tool. Right. (laughs) Yeah. But it's great because a lot of people, not everybody does, but a lot of people do have a page Mm -hmm. and, or like a page dedication, dedicated to them. (laughs) Right you're like at least I don't know it's like a starting point for sure yeah absolutely well we've talked a lot about teaching I also want to hear more about your own artwork and kind of how you're fitting fitting it in and what you're working on yeah do you think could you maybe describe your work a little bit it's almost such a hard question I know we're visual people (laughs) and now we're like okay put it to words I think after I graduated from school, I it was like really hard for me to make work because mm-hmm. I felt like there there had to be some sort of like quote unquote right way to do so, and especially like coming from an institution who where like conceptual art is like kind of put on a pedestal. Right. I couldn't make work for a while, so I've been doing a lot of I about like a watercolor set. I've been doing a lot of watercoloring for the past I don't know how many years now. Yes. Um, but I don't think anyone will ever see them. <laughs> Definitely mostly just for me. Because I think I had to sort of like unlearn some of the things that I like learned mm-hmm. where certain maybe like certain types of art was like put on this pedestal of like what makes good art. So right now I'm doing a lot of watercolors when I have a chance. I was doing like photography a while back, but I also I felt that I had to sort of like pause that and check in with myself and think about like what I was documenting and how I was doing that because I think yeah I was thinking a lot about sort of like these like westernized institutions and sort of like what we're taught and and like the ways that we're taught to look at things when you say that it makes me think of like the deeper sort of almost like subconscious ways of looking that are like embedded in the white centered teaching a white-centered class yeah Yeah, so that's something that I like I don't know I I think I'm still processing parts of it but I felt like for me like watercoloring right now was more like intimate Mm -hmm. it could be quick or it could you know you could take days to make something yeah so it was like something that I could manage well and also I can do it like at home so I don't need like a large space right and do you see yourself 
getting back into photography at some point once you've like wrapped your head around it? Or is that something you feel like, no, I'm going to stick with painting? I No, I don't think so. Because this is like part of like my innate curiosity for how things work. Like, Mm -hmm. I think I also like to bounce around from like medium to medium. So like I was really obsessed with welding for a while. (laughs) I was like really into, you know, printing and silkscreen for a while. So I think that's just something like maybe perhaps like what my personality is like or what like just sort of like I'm drawn to I like to know a little bit of everything yeah also because I think it helps me in the classroom yeah absolutely yeah because it's like how can you teach all these different materials if you haven't experienced them for sure are there any sort of big ideas that are coming out in your work even if it's work that you don't intend on sharing Or is it, does it feel like it's like, I feel like sometimes my work is almost uh, just a therapeutic process. It's for sure therapeutic. Yeah. I think another thing that I was like so worried about coming out of school, especially an institution like CalArts, was to have to have some sort of like impactful meaning. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes it just has to be something that one does because it's what they need in that moment. Yeah. And you know, the same way with like students who, you know, maybe they're not like particularly happy with what they're doing and they want to throw it away or whatever, but maybe they needed that. Mm-hmm. They just need that moment, those like the hour or whatever to create just because they need a process, whatever. Right. Right. And that the, the process is more important than the, the end result. One thousand percent. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it seems like you've had some like big creative blocks and I've like I've experienced that issue of schools really focusing on conceptual work and like how do you how do you continue that and how do you especially when you come out of school and you have a lot of other things going on in your life how do you find the time to think of those things so are it would you have any kind of advice for getting getting past that or getting like through a creative block the biggest thing, like if I could tell my younger self at least, is just do whatever is right for you and like create whatever makes sense to you. Yeah, I'm sure like as many uh, like many people have been told things to this like a similar effect. Like I was kind of being told what to create and like how to do it and like what would be popular and what would like either sell or would be popular in a gallery. And I I think that yeah, like that that's cool and everything, but that's not what made sense to me. So, and then, you know, and that might change too, which is okay. Right. So, so that that's also like part of it. I think part of like the process, but, and you know, and that's like the kind of work that I like. And that's the kind of work that like in a time where we could visit galleries and things like that, th- those are the kinds of spaces that I would go to and go look at the work and admire. And I think I'll continue to do so, but it's not something like that right now. I feel is something that needs to come out of me. Yeah, Absolutely. Maybe just talking more about the organization, Greetings from South LA, and kind of like the logistics of starting an organization and kind of how how you had this amazing idea, but like brought it out of the idea stage. How did you grow that baby and birth that baby? It's been very, 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 very hard. It's I'm still learning a lot. I think I have read more books on business and like nonprofit starting that I have ever wanted to. <laughs> it was easy. It was easier to sort of do it on my own in 
ways because I can kind of do whatever I wanted. But I also had to be, I think I had to start thinking about like, okay, if I want this to be sustainable and like long term, it obviously can't just be whatever Karina wants to do, right? <laughs> it has to make sense for the community mm-hmm. and it has to make sense um, for the students and for whoever we're serving. Right. So I've brought on a group of people to who thankfully they said yes. And they're like, mm-hmm. I'm like very grateful that they like the idea so much that they like they're serving on the board. Mm-hmm. We're like in the process to sort of formalize things to file for nonprofit status yeah, and stuff. Awesome. Yeah. So that's really exciting, but it's challenging in like not the ways that I sort of expected because of the pandemic. Right. But prior to, <laughs> but prior to that, I was like, you know, like going to different schools and sort of like introducing myself and having like educators and uh, like parents in the community so sort of like get to know me and. I felt like that was a good starting off point because I think it, it's easy for me to like do programming within like my circles mm-hmm. and with like the core group of like student followers that I have. But I wanted to think about how to like expand on that. Right. I mean, it's been really fun. It's just I have to be like more thoughtful and like, conscious about, you know, each step. Did you start with community based programming? Do you have a space there or are you working out of like you're working directly with schools? Kind of what are the, the main program? Yeah, so we don't have a space. We're going to launch a, like a larger fundraising campaign later. So I don't want to give out the idea right away. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but we don't have a space Um, where I will say this. We're going to continue the field trips, hopefully, whenever that's possible, which doesn't look like it's going to be anytime yeah. soon. But, but that's yeah. okay. And we're going to be working closely with a number of schools in the South Central area, awesome. which is exciting. And we're going to be a program that I'm like particularly excited about right now is like, a, I've also been thinking about like a college access program, particularly yeah. for students who are interested in applying to art schools and guiding them through that process. I'm in communication with a couple local art schools who are like interested in that as well. So I'm just trying to think about like what makes sense for our population. And also I felt like it was like really important not just to have kids apply to art schools, but like think about like the types of art schools, right? Because right. like Otis looks very different than CalArts and Art Center looks very different than Otis, right? Those are the things that I think are like not talked about as much. Yeah. Would that also include, like, would it include any kind of, like I'm picturing ongoing support once they're there to kind of help with the same issue you experienced where you kind of got got there showed up and you were like oh yes I we met last week I met with last week with the school and um and I met last week with a uh like a local educator and that was one of the main things that we talked about because I I think that for sure needs to be that should be not just in this program but I think better with like all college ready things (laughs) there needs to be like not just financial but just like emotional support just someone to have coffee with or like bounce ideas and just bent with (laughs) Yeah. Do you know, have you heard of the Posse program? Yeah. Some some kids from my high school participated in that. Oh, cool. Yeah. I've also been thinking about making it. Yeah. I've, my critique with these programs and I, I like, sorry, mm-hmm. I like to be very honest. So. No, I love it. Give us your honesty. <laughs> my critique with a lot of programs like that, though, is that they definitely exclude a lot of students. Mm-hmm. And that was something that I also like experienced. Like we had a lot of students who who were part of these like college bound programs where they like got to visit these schools and stuff. And it was really great for them. And they ended up attending a lot of these schools. But they 
for whatever reason, they excluded like a huge chunk of the population. Mm-hmm. So whether it be grades or whatever, but I think that there needs to be like a mind shift in terms of like who is quote unquote qualified to, to participate in these programs. My actually freshman college roommate was part of the posse program. She was from New York, but she like that program wasn't enough for her. And I saw that happen with other other students that she ended up leaving. She was like, I can't stay here at this like rural school. I need to go back to the city. How much can those programs do and what do they need to shift to make it more helpful for students? Like all the systems need to be reworked. (laughs) (laughs) Break it down and start again. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Because it's, it's, I don't know, it's again, it's like, it's like uh, how institutions just like say that they're like, oh, our door is open. Come on in. Like it's way more complicated than that. Right. The same thing with like college institutions. So many layers of systems to break down. For sure. Do you feel like there have been any really good resources that have kind of helped you along the way? things that you would recommend? Like teaching resources? Yeah, teaching resources. I will preface this with saying that you have to take things with a grain of salt. Because <laughs> you also have to be critical of like what, who's writing these curriculums and things like that. And like what their sort of agenda is. But I like teaching for to- teaching tolerance. It's like yeah. a cool sor- resource that I have. But I personally have stopped looking at a lot of those resources and just started looking at like maybe educators and like people who are actually in the classroom. Yeah. And who are maybe not necessarily teaching art, but I feel like I've learned so much from them. The book Push Out is really great by Monique Morris. And let's see, for white folks who teach in the hood and the rest of y'all too, I think is Christopher, I forget his last name. The title of the book is for white folks who teach in the hood. It's a great book. <laughs> so I've been just reading like those books I like, um, just like always reading about. One that I'm rereading right now that I read a couple years ago is We Want to Do More Than Survive. A lot of just reading and like seeing what other educators are writing about and what they're thinking about. Kind of a fun question. And I feel like we've probably touched on this stuff too. But is there anything you're really kind of curious about right now? It could be in your own art making or just like living in the world. What are you curious about? Yeah, I've been thinking a lot of just what the long term effects of all these things are going to be. Maybe that's just like a bigger question, but yeah, because I think it needs to be sustainable, whatever that looks like. Yeah. How to make that happen. Because I I think there's a lot of momentum right now and it's really exciting, but we need to figure out how folks can rest and take care of themselves and then keep the momentum sort of like, what's that saying? It's like, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Or I've seen, I've heard it said, and I've seen like a graphic of we're only in the foothills. We've got a whole mountain to climb. So don't wear yourself out now in the foothills. Yeah, for sure. Kind of fun question. What is your go-to order at your favorite restaurant or like your favorite food? I was talking to my partner about this. I'm on a hunt (laughs) and I have been on a hunt for the best pad thai in LA. I don't know if you find it. This is like a weird thing I have. I want to hit up like all the, the, the Thai restaurants. It's just like a personal mission. The love that we have, like, I'm also in LA, so we have this access to all these restaurants, although now not so much. Yeah, yeah. This is the last thing I'll say, but I like with art too, with like all these art institutions and like how I feel like I found out about them so late in the game. I feel the same thing about food. And like, I, you know, I didn't eat Indian food until college. (laughs) So it was like, 
I have missed out. <laughs> I have sir, I feel like I've been trying to catch up. <laughs> yeah. So now you just have to go constantly, <laughs> eat all the food. Well, thank you so much, Karina. It was really insightful, just so valuable to hear your story and all of the advice that you have. Thank you for taking the time. Yeah, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Wow, she gave me so much food for thought. As I continue the internal work of becoming anti-racist while diving in and adjusting my curricula and seeking ways of using this platform for anti-racist work, it's so helpful to hear from art educators who have been doing this work much longer and art educators of color. I deeply appreciate the time Karina has taken not only here on the podcast, but also on her Instagram feed to help educate and share resources. Go follow her, support her work. I've linked to her organization, Greetings from South LA, as well as her book recommendations in the blog post. So check that out. Thank you so much for listening. As always, you can reach me at Teaching Artist Podcast on Instagram or Teaching Artist Podcast at gmail.com. Who do you want to hear from? Please share your recommendations of teaching artists. And if you loved this episode, please subscribe, leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts, and follow me. It really makes a big difference. Thank you. Thank you.